welcome to the podcast, Happy and Single. I'm your host, Joseph Anderson. You can find me on Instagram, the It's Possible Guy. And today is episode 149. And we have the privilege of having my friend Bridget Heller with, with me today. And now a little bit about how I met Bridget. We're both, we were both members of the Easter pageant. So I played one of the Roman soldiers, and I don't exactly remember what she played. <laughs> It, it's I, think okay. she played, I think she played multitude right yep usually i am yep no anyone that doesn't know or especially our international listeners once a year there's this giant easter pageant about the life of christ in uh, mesa arizona that i've been in for the past oh seven eight whatever years it's been so it's it's such a wonderful opportunity and a great experience so that's where i met bridget but i'm going to give bridget a moment to just kind of introduce herself a little bit and we're going to go and we'll go from there because oh, introductions are always so fun. You know, it's like, okay, let me tell you who I am in two seconds. Um, yeah, my name's Bridget Heller. <laughs> and I have a podcast also called The Strong and Capable. And we're focused on emotional, spiritual, and mental health and resilience, really building resilience in your life, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Um, let's see, I love glitter. I've dressed up. I've done a million things. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I have made cakes. I've dressed up as Elsa for birthday parties. I've had this podcast for a hundred episodes. Like you name it. I've tried it because I'm a curious person. And really, I just like to have real conversation and help people heal. That's my jam. And Bridget has such, uh, it's Bridget, right? Bridget. Yeah. Bridget. Well, I keep hearing you say it that way. and 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 I never knew it was pronounced that way. So Oh, good. Like I, I love being called my name, and if anyone calls me anything different, they will hear about it. <laughs> I just roll with it. My whole life, people call me something different, so I just usually I don't even hear it. Friends will correct people; they'll be like, "No, it's Bridget." I'm like, "Oh, did they say it wrong?" Because I just just roll with it. Don't even hear it. So, Bridget, what well, the purpose of this? The the interviews I do on this podcast are really to give hope and happiness to single people. You know, and and it's interesting, like one of the things we were talking about before we actually started recording today is I, I think so often, like we see stuff on TV, we see everybody that has supposedly these perfect lives, or we see these sitcoms, and and we think that people's lives actually work that way. And the truth is they don't. I mean, they don't work that way at all. Whether whether you know Bridget's actually married and you know, and happy and her family's awesome. But like, regardless whether we're single or married, we think the more we think life has to work a certain way, the more frustrated we are. I mean, and, and also I would even say the more we think life has to work a certain way, the more God has a less of an opportunity to help us out. Because if he keeps <laughs> saying, hey, I really want you to go meet this person. I really want you to do this. And, you know, we were, we were talking a little bit about some other stuff earlier. And like, I, I've got a mentor right now that Heavenly Father could not have directed me towards many years ago earlier because I really hadn't learned to be okay with people saying a lot of really, really bad language. And, and it's like, I know absolutely that I was directed to that person but there's a scripture that says, be as wise as serpents and yet without sin. And I'll order all things for your good as fast as you're able to receive that. And I find it super cool that it was plugged in in the scriptures at DNC 111.11. 11. 
it, it's like God couldn't have made it more like lights around that scripture. It's like, all right, here's the deal. You guys are all in the spiritual numbers, 111.11. It doesn't get more spiritual than that. But the more we understand, life doesn't have to work perfectly. Like, yeah, I mean, what, what thoughts do you have on that? Well, well, I mean, the strong and capable is all about like you're, we're all a hot mess. And so what makes you strong is not pushing through it or pretending that this thing isn't going on, but seeing the thing and saying, man, what can happen because of this? What can I learn? Who can I become? Why does this have purpose in my life? Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes crap that happens is just junk. It's just other people using their agency in a horrible way. So sometimes it's not like this is a lesson you have to learn. It's just a thing that happened, but we can always become from it. And uh, so I think I agree this whole mask that society is wearing it doesn't help us. It's it's not serving us. In fact, I just did a reel today and it was like, do a job you love, do a job that you would give away for free because it literally says, because if you do this, you will never know a day of sadness. And I literally wrote false, false. Do a job you love, find something you would do for free. I agree with all that because then it gives you fulfillment, but not never, ever knowing a day of sadness, that's a reality. We all have sad days. We all have things that hit us upside the head and we're like, oh my gosh, this is painful. This hurts. So to believe that we're never going to experience sadness is ridiculous. But that is what society is selling right now, that you can always be happy, that you can always be in peace and flow and goodness, but you can't be. And you actually don't know peace and flow and happiness unless you also experience its opposite. Well, and and it's interesting because I, I think that so peace, flow, and happiness, it is always available to us. Mm-hmm. But what happens is, is it's our thinking that gets in the way. Mm-hmm. We're the ones that say, and, and not just us, like especially when it comes to single people, you know, we're already saying, like, oh my goodness, I would love to be married to the girl of my dreams. I am not going to settle. I am not going to marry your friend that just happens to also be single that you think <laughs> would, would be amazing for. Like, but everyone around us tells us we have to live this certain way in order to be happy. And I've learned, like, there's a great quote by a religious leader of both of ours that has has, has since passed away, well, a long, long time ago, but it was a man named Brigham Young that was a an incredible, incredible entrepreneur and also an incredible religious leader. And uh, he said, you know what? I care about two opinions in the world, what I think of me mm-hmm. and what Heavenly Father thinks of me. Yep. You no, know, it, it sounds really wonderful that we can think that, but I don't know. I mean, I, I care what my parents think. I care what other people mm-hmm. think. Like we do the best we can, but coming back to that point, it's like happiness is always available when we stop telling ourselves and heavenly father that it's wrong yep i mean in my path it's been so different than most people's and heavenly father says hey you're good i I know where you're at i know what you're doing and i've even had very like random people that are like you know maybe you just really have to be single at this point in your life to do what you're supposed to do and and when and when it hits you're like (laughs) you know what i mean when it hits like when the spirit hits it just hits different. So when they when there's truth to that, you're like, mm-hmm. all right. 
But you know, when, one thing I do want to ask you though. So first of all, how how long have you been married, and and how old were you when you got married? <laughs> so I have been married almost twenty two years, and I was eighteen. I was little. I was a baby. I don't even know. I don't even know how that worked out. So yes, I was very little. So you had about four years of being single. So yeah, I did. It's interesting. I was, I think, a unique human. Not that I was so mature, but I'm the oldest of seven. And my parents did travel a lot. I had a disabled sister. I had faced, we moved 18 times by the time I was 17. So I never knew this like stable, ideal child. You said Mine 18, always, not eight, yes, right? You said I did. 18. I did, yes. Okay, I just wanted to clarify, wow. <laughs> Yes, 18 times. And so my life was always chaotic, right? I have an amazing family, but it was chaotic. And so I actually left my junior year of high school and went to good old UVU in Utah, um, which was not UVU back then, because that's how old I am. But I went to college as a 17 year old and did a year of college. I started a business at 17. I had multiple stores in a mall. I told you I'm a serial entrepreneur. It's been, it's been a lifelong. Wait, 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 what, what stores did you have in the mall? Like, that's okay. okay so, so cool. you know, have you seen mall cop? The movie mall cop, like with Kevin Blart. Yes. Yes. Have you I, seen I, have. I, I don't remember much of it, but I have. Okay. Well, his love interest, he falls in love with this girl who has a cart in the mall with like these wigs. It's called Unbelievable. And Unbelievable is what I did. I, I had carts in the mall with these like hair extensions. This was, was very cool in the early 2000s. And they're making a comeback. Gwen Stefani, thank you. But um, did Kevin Blake's movie steal your name? Was yours also called Unbelievable? No, it was called Hair Diamond. But yeah, it was, I had all these, I had a whole team of girls. I had 20 girls that, you know, we did our thing, dressed up and we sold, I mean, we made good money actually, selling these little hair extensions off of the mall carts. So I had multiple locations of that. I actually expanded into Washington state too for a time. So I was, I think a different 17 year old than is typical. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And I, I want to point something out that you just said there, because there's something really cool. Like everybody and, and myself included for many, many, many years has kind of thrown a pity party because it's like, well, I'm single and th- that stinks. And so I'm just going to sit around and mope and do nothing. And you didn't do that at all. Like you just got to work. And, and I and I think the more people do that, like, I mean, what a great example. The more people just get to work, throw yourself into any type of game that you love, mm-hmm. you're a lot happier. You're a lot more mm-hmm. enjoyable, like sitting around and watching movies all day. Anyone that's mm-hmm. doing that is not very fun. We've all been through those stages and mm-hmm. we might have, and we still might have those days, but that is so inspiring that you just said, Hey, you know what? I went out, I had these stores in Utah, and then I randomly also had these stores across all these borders in Washington. <laughs> I don't know. Like there was no stores in between, like from Washington to Utah, you just had Utah and Washington. <laughs> I had a cousin in Washington, so I thought if I open a store here, I can go visit her. I mean, I was 17. This is the logic, you know? It makes sense. It offers a business expense when I can go to Washington all the exactly. time. Yeah. <laughs> 
Was it in Seattle or like what part of Washington? No, it's the Tri Cities area. Okay. Little Kennewick Mall. I mean, if you've been up there, you know it's it's beautiful up there. And like oh. I said, I had a cousin, so I thought I'd get to go hang out with her and it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> those are the things you do when you're younger though and you're not scared of what could be you know that's the best part about teenage years childhood years is you don't have the fear of history on you so you're just willing to try things for fun for joy and uh yeah as adults if we did more of that we'd be a lot happier well I remember reading on your bio that you actually used to be this like shy little girl or something to that extent was that before this happened or did you consider yourself a shy little girl when you're dominating the business the business world of wee carts (laughs) (laughs) of air carts yeah um yeah so when i was in third grade fourth grade fifth grade all all the grades all the grades i was so shy i think it's because we moved a lot i didn't I had a hard time forming relationships and having friendships that lasted. This was before social media. And I I mean, there was, it was hard to stay connected to people. And so I actually had this big puffy pink jacket that I would wear. And this is the nineties. So I had huge bangs and crazy curly hair that I could also like hide behind. It was, it's scary. Actually, those pictures are really scary. Um, but I would go into these classrooms wearing my jacket because between the hair and the jacket, I could totally hide myself and stay invisible to the point where I actually had a teacher give me a journal because I wouldn't communicate with her. I wouldn't even say, Hey, got to go to the bathroom or, Hey, I don't have the test that I'm supposed to have. You forgot to give me the paper. I wouldn't even advocate my basic needs to her. So she gave me a journal so that I could communicate with her because I wouldn't vocalize it. And that's how shy I was. I was so scared of being present, of being noticed, because with being noticed, I was awkward. And so that came often with teasing and these just comments that my little sensitive soul could not handle. Uh, So I stayed invisible, clear until probably my junior year in high school, where I was just like, this invisible thing isn't working for me. And I had faced at that point so much opposition. There were so many lies being said about me that I was pregnant, that I would like just, I mean, really hurtful, hurtful lies that were being said about me that I was like, well, if they're going to think these terrible things about me, I might as well be whoever I want to be because it doesn't matter. They've already written the narrative. So I'm just going to do me. And once I did that, you know, you can't, (laughs) once something breaks out, very hard to contain it again. It's like I just could not be contained again. Actually, I lie. I was contained again because I struggled with mental health later on in my life. And that, whew, you want to lock, you want to shut someone down or lock them up. Mental health is, it is so isolating. Um, but yeah, I, that's really how I broke out of it was that people were so horrible that I had nothing to lose anymore. Yeah, you said something there about be whoever you want to be. It's interesting because we come into this world and like we are. I mean, I've got my little six-year-old nephew, the happiest little kid most of the time that you've ever met. And, And maybe not just the happiest, but maybe just the, he knows himself. 
know, he knows, he knows who he is. And if he wants to tell you where you can go and how you can get there, he will. Mm-hmm. And if, and if he wants to just be happy, like he will. And if he wants to say, Joseph, I miss you. He will. He's not, he's not afraid. He hasn't like, so every one of us, there's, there's a Scottish mystic named Sidney Banks, who I've, I've learned a ton from that passed away many, many years ago. But he said, if every single person around us is doing the best they know, given their thinking in the moment. And so what happens is we come into this world, just like my little nephew, Austin, and we're all happy and stuff. And then people start telling us rules and all this stuff that we have to do. I think really all the learning that we're doing is really more of an unlearning Mm -hmm. because there's like, there's things about our lives that it's like something makes a lot of sense to us, but somebody (laughs) says we can't do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been going through this whole transition period ever since I met my new mentor about six years ago it just changed everything that I knew before about rah, 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 get it done. You have to have, you have to make yourself in pain in order to go forward. Like to all of a sudden going from that to, you know, you're totally fine the way you are. Mm-hmm. And if everybody would just know, cause like you said, of being shy and there's probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are shy, that are struggling, that are, that are kind of frustrated with where they're at. Like, I mean, if somebody wasn't saying all these horrible, awful things to you, what, and, and obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. but if you could go back understanding what you know now, even without people saying horrible things to you, what, what could have you done at that time to break out and be more of you? Well, in some ways, I think what I'm doing now was inevitable. It was always meant to be. So it would have maybe moved that time, that forward in my timeline. Right. But I don't know that I would change it because the empathy that it's created within my mind and my heart to those who struggle, I would lose that. I would lose the empathy that I've gained from my struggles. And I see people, I see the invisible people. I see the wallflowers, the proverbial wallflowers. I see those who are on the outside of society and I adore them because they are, they're the unique ones in society that are trying to find their way. They're trying to honor who they are. They don't, they know they don't want to be like society, but they don't know how to be themselves. And my heart goes out to them because I know that pain. I know what it's like to want to shine and own who you are and yet struggle because you there's such a fear of rejection. If I show up fully and it's not enough for everybody, what does that mean? What does that look like? And, you know, when you show up fully, sometimes it's not enough for people. Sometimes they still don't like you, but you're at peace with yourself. You're at peace. And so it doesn't matter anymore. The fears that you're telling yourself when you show up fully in your best, most expressive state, it takes away the fears. There's just a peace that comes. It's not even, it could be a confidence, but it's a peace. It's a knowing of I am 
who I am and I love this person. I honor this person. This person has been good to me. This person, this human has gone through a lot and they're incredible. And that's what happens when you show up for yourself is you get all these inner knowings of who you really are. And then it all the noise fades away. So I don't know, maybe I would have shown up earlier, but I would have lost the empathy for these people who I adore and who I now serve. And I wouldn't trade that. I would rather go through the pain to be able to know the empathy than to have not experienced it. Well, you know, you, you said something there that like, and I, and I do agree with you on the point of having gone through the stuff we've gone through. Like I was actually listening. I was listening to a book. It was by, I think it was by Sting or one of those guys that said they were actually grateful. They didn't become famous sooner because they said once they did, it was so incredibly hard. I mean, everybody just, it's just a different lifestyle. And they said they wouldn't have been ready for it. And like going back to that scripture about, you know, how God will open up all things for us as fast as we can receive them. There's there's moments that we're ready for whatever blessings that he has for us. Mm -hmm. There's the other part you said though, about noise. And it's interesting because I was reading in, you know, the, the Book of Mormon. It's a book of scripture that you and I both know in First uh, Nephi 8. And I was just listening and I heard the chapter heading and I heard it differently because it talks about, you know, it talks about this rod that leads people to this path, to this tree of where they want to go. But in the, in the heading, the chapter heading, it says, like, the mist of darkness enshrouds men. And I, and I looked that up and it basically says it completely surrounds them, you know? And so like, we have all of this noise coming at us, you know? And so it's important to understand like how it, it hits different. It's like I mentioned mm-hmm. when, you know, somebody said something about, you know, maybe you're meant to be single and it just really hits and it's like, ah, no, I don't want it to hit because that means it's, that means it's true. And the spirit can only testify of truth. Whereas all the noise in our heads, it feels different. I mean, it really, really just feels different. And we just have to learn to ignore it because you can't, you can't fight infinite noise. I mean, even in that same chapter of the Book of Mormon, it says, we heeded them not. You know, and so, but that's, you know, such a great example, like you shared. Like, so I, I want to ask, you know, what? So how did how did you meet your husband? How how old were you when you met him? Because you said you were twenty two well, married. No, so I was eighteen when I got married. We've been I'm married twenty two years. Yes. You're good. You're good. Why can't you remember my life? Goodness. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not perfect. Maybe I should just people. give up. <laughs> yeah, I just I mean yeah. Um, no, I was eighteen. So remember, I'm running the business. Right. And I tend to when I start a new venture, I get so excited about it. Not so much anymore. I've learned healthier boundaries. But when I was younger, I would jump all in, like every part of me, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I'm all in this. Like every moment is consumed by this new venture. And so I I was I got sick. <laughs> you can't actually do that. That's not sustainable. And so I got so sick that my doctor looked at me and said, Bridget, you either take a vacation or I'm putting you in the hospital at 18. 
right? At 18, my doctor tells me this. He said, you have two choices, take a vacation or you have to go in the hospital because I was so sick, just bronchitis, pneumonia, like everything you could have. I had all the ear infections and nose, like it was gross. So my dad um, was also an entrepreneur and he had a business conference out in Reno, California, Reno, Nevada. He was visiting friends in California. He says, come with me. Your mom and I are going, come with us. We're visiting old family friends in this town where your mom grew up. Just come with us. That'll be your vacation. I was like, okay, there's purpose. I'll stand in his booth and talk to people. Like I couldn't even slow down enough to actually take a vacation. I was like, cool. I have a purpose. I'll go to my dad's conference and speak in his booth instead of running my own thing. So I go with him. And um, while we're visiting these family friends, they say, hey, there's a young single adult dance at the stake center at the church, you should come. Okay. I'm literally in the car. I can still picture it to this day. There were all these medicines in the floor of the car. I'm like guzzling up before I even go to this dance. And I go to the dance and my husband, of course, was there. He wasn't living there at the time. He was born and raised there, but he was out in the San Francisco area and had come home for the weekend. So he came home for the weekend, just happened to go to this dance. I came into town, just happened to go to this dance. And that's where we met. It was at this random young single adults dance in California. It's so weird. <laughs> so looking back, when when you met him, did you know there was something different about him? Like looking back, did you did you have that? Go ahead. You want to... So this is what's funny about it. So I was a vocal performance major because I actually thought my calling in life was to be a singer. That wasn't. That's a whole story too. But I was so accustomed to, you know, you do the whole, where are you from? What are you doing? You know, what are you getting your degree in? It's this whole getting to know you thing. And so I said, I'm a vocal performance major, but I will not sing for you. Because every time I would meet a guy, that's what he said. Will you sing for me? What? No, that's weird. So I said, but I will not sing for you. And he looked at me. He's like, I did not ask you to. <laughs> and something about this different response. I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it wasn't love at first sight. It was actually like friction at first sight. Um, and he didn't think anything of it. He was later visiting some friends and they said, hey, that girl's pretty cool. You should call her. So he did. We ended up basically dating for two and a half weeks and then he proposed and we were married two and a half months later so it is a crazy I don't know how we're still married other than he's my best friend and we are both firstborn kiddos and very independent and we allow each other to be independent and I think that is why our marriages our marriage has worked not marriages marriage has worked because he's independent and I allow it. I allow him to be, and I want him to be, and I want him to grow and have his own journey. And he feels the same about me. And because of that, we both have done a lot of cool things and then now done them together, of course. So that's so, it's kind of so crazy. Two, I know it's crazy. So two and a half weeks. And I, yeah. you know, and it's interesting because it was right. Yeah. I, I always think I couldn't have met him later. Because I'm so fiercely independent that if I had met him later, I would have been like, I don't need you. I why I don't, I'm good. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing. I was so young that I was good with it. And I am so thankful to him because I was actually thinking today, you know, you'd sent me ahead of time, like we're looking about what 
What made you happy when you were single? What things fulfilled you? What kind of these questions? And I was like, man, I knew myself. I had come to know myself young, but I lost myself again through depression. And I remember saying to him one time, I need you to give me some space to find out who I am again. And he did and respected it. And so there's something about allowing someone their independence that is really powerful in a relationship. And it's rare. And I think a healthy relationship has that element as well. So was this during that two and a half months that you know, no, thankfully, no, I wasn't. Was that that <laughs> no. was later. That was kind of later. That was later. Yeah, that was later. Yeah, it was around my 30s where I was like, wait, I don't know who I am anymore. I thought, because you know this, like you think we we envision how our life is going to be. And then it's not, you know, what you said at eight years old is not usually how it works out. And so you have to process that and work through it. And I like to tell people I can help people work through their emotional stuff and find out, learn who they are, because I have lost and found myself a hundred times. This is a lifelong struggle for me. So now I have a whole tool belt full of things that help me reset a lot quicker. But it it was years of figuring out who I am. And I think maybe it is because I was shy and then I just broke out. I didn't just stay that person. Hard things happen. And when you lose someone you love or when you go through a depression or you have a job that you thought was your dream job and then it goes away, these pieces of our identity shift and we have to recenter on who we are. And that's not always an easy process. You know, I love how you're, excuse me. I love how you're sharing so open and so vulnerable. Like I, you know, when you were talking about life, not meeting our expectations, I think that's, I mean, when I was 18, I thought for sure I was going to be the next, uh, you know, Tony Robbins. And, <laughs> and I'm actually grateful that didn't happen because the stuff I teach now is like, it, it has an element of that, but it's so different. It's actually mm-hmm. very similar to the gospel that you and I both believe in. And it's so much gentler and just more understanding and more inviting. Yeah. You know, I, I look at, but, you know, so like when we have those experiences, like, so yeah, I was 18, I was gung ho. I had my own <clears throat> type of experience where I, you know, stopped being shy and just totally dove in. Mm-hmm. It had to do with going to the Hillcomore pageant and being back there a few years that just totally changed. I mean, that place has changed every area of my life and it was, but yeah, then you come back and like, you know, you think that life has to work a certain way mm-hmm. and we start hitting these speed bumps and it's like a speed bump that might just be like a normal speed bump driving down the road. We might look at it and instantly it's like 17,000 feet tall mm-hmm. or it looks that way to us instead of just continuing to go forward in the areas we feel guided and directed. And, you know, so I love how you brought that up. Like nobody stays all enthusiastic, all excited all the time. We go through some real, real life stuff. Mm-hmm. And some people can let it debilitate them or not. Like I had this director that uh, I was a young performing missionary in Nauvoo. And so she was our director back there. And she recently passed away. And at her funeral, they talked about and like she never, ever 
could have full use of her left arm. Oh, wow. But it never stopped her from being in, in tons of musicals. Everybody just would help her. And, and, and from being this super happy person, she just, and she also lost her husband, like, I don't know, he's been gone for like 30 years or so. And she was 93. So sometime in her, you know, right around her 60s, she lost her husband too. And it's like, Heavenly Father gives us challenges. But if we back down from the challenge, the challenge doesn't go away. It's like Groundhog Day. You know, it's like, yep. And, yep. and Heavenly Father does not. Like anytime somebody feels urgent feelings, that is not the spirit. That is the opposite yep. of the spirit. Because Heavenly Father is just sitting on the sideline. And he's got all of eternity, right? He's yep. like, hey, if you're if you're all right with the life you're living right now, then go ahead. But, but he's infinitely patient with every one of us. Mm-hmm. And he just says, hey, you're good. I mean, hey, if you want to sit, sit home today and play video games, fine. But... You're not going to get further in the other things you want to do. Yeah. But he's just so gentle and so understanding and so kind. I mean, he literally teaches us just line upon line, almost like a director handing cue cards to a person. Do this, do this, do this. He just, and so like when we don't let our, you know, when you don't let your thing stop you and you just keep going anyways, nothing can stop you because there's no real obstacles. Everything is just, it's like we watch TV shows all the time, right? And in the TV show, they figure out in 30 minutes how to accomplish all their objectives. Mm-hmm. But, then, but then we turn off the TV and go back to our own life. And it's like, oh, I, I could never call that big client that I want to call. I could never call. I, I could never do those things. And then we finally go do the thing. And it's like, there's a quote somewhere that says, maybe you know who it is, says, do the thing and you'll have the power. You know, anything you just go out and do, you know, when you talk about being strong and capable, the only way strength and capability comes is by lifting weights. I can't, no matter how much money I have, I can never have somebody go lift my weights for me. It won't do yeah. anything. It'll, it'll do wonders for them. If I pay someone to lift weights, they'll love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there's that saying, you know, everything you want is on the other side of fear. And that always strikes me because I found that to be true. Every time I'm scared and I walk forward anyway, actually, I have the sign behind me. It's, it says walk sacred. The walk sacred. Yeah. I was, one, yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. So, well, there's two, my two, my stories that are standing behind me in these signs, they're not beautiful moments. They're what have made me who I am today in this moment, along with many other experiences, but wait, 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 pause. Cause I I find that really interesting that you said they're not beautiful moments, but apparently they are because they made you who you were. Like you said, it's like when, when Van Gogh was sitting there painting starry Mm -hmm. night, I'm pretty sure it was a hot mess. Yeah. No, it is the ugly stuff that makes us interesting. Like last night I was thinking about a marble. Yeah, but I was thinking about a marble, right? If a marble was perfectly formed and had no ribbons of color through it or cracks, it'd be boring. It would literally just be a ball of glass. But the most interesting marbles have tons of cracks and streams of color through it. Those are the ones we like the most. Your life, the complexities and the things you've gone through, that's what makes you beautiful. It is what makes you beautiful and interesting and able to do what you do today. You wouldn't be able to do whatever you're doing today without the things of the past. So 
this walk sacred. It was episode one, strong and capable. I did not have any of the stuff in front of me. I had my phone and a closet to help with sound buff, you know, sound buffer. So it didn't echo. And I literally hid myself from my kids and my dogs. And I was in my closet trying to record this episode because I I knew I had been called. My spirit told me, you are supposed to speak up. It is time. And I had gone through a lot of fears even to get to this moment in the closet. So I'm sitting in the closet thinking no one's going to be able to say my name, as we've already talked about. If I'm going to start talking and I'm going to lose all my friends because they're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's saying. I have done some really embarrassing things on my podcast. Like I tell stories, I sing, it's all. It's real. It's very real. So, you know, I'm going to lose all my friends, all my family. I'm going to cause like family turmoil. I just had all these stories that I was telling myself that were bringing up this fear. And after recording and deleting and recording and deleting my first episode, probably 15 times, I threw my hands up in there and I was like, God, this is ridiculous. You told me to do this and I can't get it done. It's embarrassing. It's awkward. And I am so scared. I just can't do this. I can't do this. And in the stillness, when you wait for that answer that came after, I heard switch the two letters. And I was like, what? I'm very sassy. The Lord knows that he's cool with it. I'm like, what? That is a stupid answer. <laughs> no, Bridget, switch the two letters from scared, S-C-A-R-E-D, to sacred, S-A-C-R-E-D. Because when you are scared, but you step forward anyway, you are stepping onto transformational ground and transformation is sacred. Mm. So anytime fear comes up for me, I'm like, oh, wait, this is sacred ground. I am entering holy ground. It is time to pay attention and start looking up because something in my life is about to change here. This is a pivotal moment right now. That's beautiful. That's walking sacred. So in my community, we walk sacred. When we get scared, okay, okay. This is evidence of transformation. And transformation is beautiful. That is why we are here, to transform, to evolve, to become. And the process of becoming, once you get comfortable with it, is the most beautiful and exciting process you can ever engage in. I, I really do believe that that is that there's such a joy, there's such an excitement. Like when actually what, what I was gonna say that just came back to me is you know, you just pointed such a beautiful example of something I talk about that every one of us, if we will just be still we will be guided by the spirit. Mm -hmm. There's that scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say sit there and overthink about everything you're supposed <laughs> to be doing. It says, be still and know that I am God. Yep. And, and that I think is the most important message because I don't know what people need, mm -hmm. but I can help them discern what is the spirit 
and what is everything else. I call it crazy leprechaun thinking because it's a combination of the adversary, mm-hmm. habitual crystallized thought that's been there for a long time. But when everybody really, really grasps that principle, that they are led and they are guided every moment of every okay. day, and even in the Book of Mormon in 2 Nephi 32.5, it says the Spirit will show you all things that you should do. Yep. And, and, and so you just shared a perfect example of that. And I know some people refute the other scripture that says, well, it also says that God shouldn't command in all things. There's a difference between being shown and being commanded. You know, God, he wants us to get down the path of our happiness mm-hmm. as quickly as we can. But we don't take the moment like you did in that moment to just say, you know what? I just need to be still. And especially when we start freaking out, that's the moment you better be still or you're about to put your hand on a hot stove and hold it there for a very long time. And it will take a much longer time to be able to release all the stuff around that. Mm-hmm. I'm, sh- I'm sure you've had your own midlife crisis type moment when you know you so many, so you, many. Think, you think God's talking to you and it just feels awful and it's like God's doing everything he can to say no no this isn't what I'm telling you to do this isn't what I'm telling you to do being still is the biggest principle that exists yeah so I, I love that you that you shared that story there's a few things though that block us from God and hearing that in stillness, uh, distraction, busyness, um, numbing out, which is so common right now. People are asleep. They are not awake in this world. There are so many sleepers and, and it takes awake to be awake and aware of what's happening to hear that, uh, mental health is a huge blocker. When you are in depression, when you are in darkness, it is very hard to grab the light. The light is always there, but to grab it and, and let allow it to pull you into that light is very hard. Um, so it's really us. We keep we build these walls and keep ourselves from hearing that fear. Fear is one. We and we like to hide behind things. Recently, the Lord has, in all his goodness and mercy, and he is good in mercy, but it's been painful, has allowed me to see what I was hiding behind. You know, and it was painful because it was like these little things. I it felt like strings that I was like grasping onto that these were going to keep me safe, all these strings. And it was like he was going in and cutting each string, each thing that I was hiding behind was just getting cut. And I was like, ah, that hurts. That hurts. Um, and I had to find myself on my knees saying, Lord, I have been doing everything on my own, thinking that I could do it. And apparently. There's that whole I am enough. I'm huge on I am statements. They, they're affirmations of who you already are, who you know you are, like you talked about earlier. Uh, apparently, I'm not enough was the conversation. Apparently, I'm not enough because I've done it all my way and my way hasn't worked. So show me your way. Is the hardest thing to do is to give up your identity and your agency to a higher power is the hardest thing to do because we want control. We want our human natures crave power and to release it and to trust, especially if you've been hurt, which almost all of us have been in some way to trust that you really, God really does have you. It's hard. It is not a practice for the faint of heart. You have to build muscles before you're ready 
for that level of trust. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, you talked about depression and fear and all those thoughts. I think sometimes, like at least my experience has been, if you never take the first step down to the basement, you never get there. And I think more often than not, like everybody's, People get depressed because, I mean, especially for me, like if I feel like I'm not doing what God wants me to do, mm-hmm. that's when people start harping on you for being single. Like, I mean, I literally had somebody tell me, hey, I would love you to coach my, to coach my son, but you're not married, so you can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Sorry. I mean, and that was, that and that was years ago and, that, and, I, and I still remember that. I don't let it bother me, but like, that was one of those experiences. It's all about, you know, we talked about even distraction. Everything can be a distraction. Success is a distraction. Failure is a distraction. It's like that great quote by if by Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling that kind of talks about basically treating triumph and disaster the same. Cause the second somebody believes in what they think they are doing, it's like, Actually, this is this is interesting because when we're younger, we think that everything's going to be perfect. But even the people that have a perfect life, like I just finished uh, Chad Lewis. He's a Philadelphia Eagles uh, tight end, or he was. And he talked about all these players that were around him in high school. I've never heard of them in the NFL. <laughs> and they were supposedly all these great players that were better than him. Everything is a lie. Mm. The adversary uses everything as a lie. Yeah. To yeah. say, so for, for me, that's 39, he's like, oh, Joseph, you should have got married younger. You know, it's like, you're, you're not going to have all these experiences. You're not going to, you know, you're going to be this old when you're, whenever you become a dad, you're going to be this, you're going to become this. Mm-hmm. And then he gets other people to say it too. It's like recently I had a friend that, you know, kind of harped on that a little bit. And I, and I actually feel very, um, anyways, like, so co- coming back to the thing about like Chad Lewis though. We, we look at people and say, oh, my God, goodness, like this person, they were doing so well. Well, they were, but they got caught up into whether it was girls or whatever they were actually looking for. And then they stopped. Mm-hmm. And so the quicker we realize that everything the adversary tells us is a lie, like the spirit hits different. Mm-hmm. As long as we don't listen, even the first thing and the adversary is clever. That's why I call it crazy leprechaun thinking, because. Oh my goodness, he can get clever. But Sydney Banks says, when it's in, when it is uh, when it's complex, it's the intellect. When it's simple, mm-hmm. it's the spirit. Mm, I love that. That's great. And so, like when we try to make up all these things, like oh, I saw this person here, and that means this, and that means this, and that means this, and that means this, and that means this. Coming all the way back to now, it's like ah, oh, pretty sure that's not how the spirit works because it says the yeah. spirit is simple yeah but but i want to pause for a second i want to ask you because i I know you weren't single that long before you had the blessing of meeting your awesome husband who's a great dude like even then like what do you either wish you would know had known when you were single or what would you say to the people that are single now especially those singles like 
and and I'm and I'm I'm gonna give you some permission here, even if it sounds a bit harsh but not mean, because I'm I'm a guy and there's probably plenty of women on my podcast that don't think I understand what it's like to be a woman and they can't go out and ask guys out and all this other stuff. And there's probably plenty of women that are just like, my life has been so hard. Joseph, it was it is probably really hard for me even just to get up and do anything today. I, I'd really love to do all these things, but you know, I, I I'm single and like I just my life hasn't worked out. And so I'd rather sit here and think about life hasn't worked out. Like, so even if it's a bit harsh isn't the right word, but bold. What 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 would you tell those people to be able to help them? to change their lives? That's a big question for the record, but <laughs> um, so here's the deal. It doesn't matter. Status doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're married, if you're single, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you've been abused or not, it doesn't matter if you like sparkles like I do, or if you think they're horrible because they stick on everything. Status and that kind of, it doesn't, none of it matter. None of it matters. That's how, and maybe that's the harsh truth is none of it actually matters. And maybe the person who's married would be like, that's rude. No, it doesn't matter. What matters is what we've already been talking about. It's the journey. It's the becoming, it's the transformation. And until you find confidence in that journey, you will never be at peace regardless of your status. It won't matter if you're single or married or in a relationship, it doesn't matter. You have to find peace in who you are. And I'm going to share a story because I said I've lost and found myself a million times. And this is, for me, the, the moment where I decided I would never lose myself again. Not fully. It's, it's, you know, I've slipped, but not fully. So the strong and capable. I have a sister who is 18 months younger than me. She has cerebral palsy and death. Her name is Aubrey. And Aubrey is like a twin, we're like twins, you know, twins have that weird thing where they know when each other's sick or hurting, or we could be hundreds, hundreds of miles apart. And because she's disabled, she is in a home, but I could call her home and say, is she sick? And they'd say, yeah, how'd you know? Like I knew we were so connected and I would go to school with her. I took her to second grade to show her off at show and tell in her pink wheelchair, because I thought she's the coolest human on earth, right? Yeah. Like Aubrey, I don't have a spirit animal. I have Aubrey. <laughs> I don't need a spirit animal. I got Aubrey. So 10 years ago, this January, we're at Christmas dinner and my parents had decided not to bring her home because it 31 years old is how old she was. And that's, that's hard to take care of a 31 year old disabled person with a rod in their back and all the things that she had going on. And it was hard Christmas because it was the first one they decided not to have her home. And we're sitting there at Christmas Eve dinner. It's like, who will at my house? There's a million kids running around and music and tinsel. And we get a phone call and it's her care center. And they said, Aubrey is aspirated. She has pneumonia. We're taking her to the emergency room. So this is Christmas dinner. My mom jumps up and flies as fast as she can to Utah because it was in Utah. And a couple of days later, she calls and says, guys, it's not good. You need to come up. They're moving her to the ICU. So I, in the middle of the night, pack up my car and go. And then I sit by her for two and a half weeks while her body deteriorated from the inside out. While she was had her lungs suctioned and had the most horrible procedures just to try and keep her alive that you can imagine. Um, 
I sat there when my best friend in the whole world died. I could see her dying. And in those moments, I didn't know anymore who I was because who was I without her? She was so much part of my identity of what I had created for myself that I didn't even know who I was without her, but she was in pain and she was scared and that freaked me out. So after a lot of prayer, I was like, why is she scared? I believe in an afterlife. What's going on? <laughs> why is she scared? And it, the spirit whispered to me, and as you can hear, I, I listen, I'm a listener. She is not scared for what comes next. She is scared for what this will do to you. And so I wanted to offer her comfort. And I said, Aubrey, you are strong and capable. You can do this. It's okay to let go. I love you. I will always love you. But it's okay to let go. You are strong and you are capable. And I rubbed her arms and I told her that over and over until she took her last breath. I would like to say that my faith held me through and that it was good, but it, it wasn't. I couldn't feel her. I didn't know where she was. I felt like half of me had been cut away. And so I spun into a deep depression and I found myself at one point saying, nothing I have matters. It doesn't matter that I have kids or a husband or a company or whatever I had at the time. I don't even know 10 years ago, who, who knows what I was doing, but none of it mattered. And I was in church and the speaker up there was talking. And I remember, again, I'm sassy, saying, doesn't matter. Don't care what you're saying. I don't know if any of this is true. This is, I don't know if I believe any of this because I lost Aubrey. And I don't know who I am. And I can't feel her presence. And I am, I'm just good. And in that moment, I decided I was good. I was going to let go that everyone I loved would be better off without me because I was just, some days couldn't even get off my floor. And in that exact moment that I was at peace with letting go, I felt her hands on my shoulders and I heard her say to me, Bridget, you are strong and capable. I love you. I will always love you. Get up and go to work. She said it three times. And I sat there in shock. Like, did no one else feel or see this thing? Because I was in a room full of people. Of course, no one did. That was meant for me. Um, and then I had to contemplate, what on earth does that mean? How do I rebuild myself? How do I understand what it means to get up and go to work? What does it even mean? And the work is healing yourself from the inside out. The work is connecting to that divine source so that you can be led and guided on each step of the way. And the work is looking in the mirror and loving that human because that person is divine and has value. And the work has healed me as I have found myself and my divine identity and helped other people do it. My life is full and it has nothing to do with status. Status and those worldly identities mean nothing. It is everything about your divine identity and who you are and how you're listening and how you're interpreting that information and moving forward one sacred step at a time. That is what matters. And if you want to be happy, 
regardless of anything in your life, you have to build that foundation. Uh, my, my heart goes out to you about your sister. That's, I can't imagine. But it's the greatest gift. It's a story I thought I would never share. Never. Because it was so sacred to me. And yet, it's the story that I've been asked to share. And I feel her every time I share it. So it's been the greatest gift to share it. I think it's interesting with regarding spiritual experiences because I actually there's plenty of times I'll share them on the podcast. There's just there's some that I that I hold just for me, but there's a lot that I actually feel I'm meant to share. Mm-hmm. And and it does. It takes boldness and you know to be able to say, okay, like we're not supposed to share spiritual experiences. Well, why not? <laughs> why else? Why else would we have them? I get, you know, as you were talking, you know, the thought kind of came to my mind, like with kind of like that stick song called the the grand illusion, everything around us is an illusion. It doesn't matter if I have a zillion dollars or if I have zero dollars. When I die, that will be gone. And as long as I've been true and faithful to Heavenly Father and what he's asked me to do, then I'm good because he's already promised me everything he's, he's, he has. And so mm-hmm. he's got worlds without end. So I'm like super, super good. So, I mean, and, and I think sometimes that's so hard to fathom. Like there's a quote that says, the wrong thing to be wrong about is, is eternity. Mm-hmm. And... And I, and I really believe that, like, there's just something like I went to the temple last night and there was just a, it's just a beautiful peace it just mm-hmm. peace without understanding, but everything is an illusion. And, and so coming back to this conversation about, you know, we think it's, we think we have to be married to, to be able to go after our dreams sometimes. But I know people that are married that their spouse actually holds them back from going after their mm-hmm. dreams. So yep. it's the the adversary is the ultimate two-face. Uh, you know, the two-face in the Batman Begins movies where he, he he flips the little coin and he says, I make my own luck. Like he does it, he will flip it all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm I'm sure you've seen that as well. And so if we treat everything as an illusion. And the real question goes back to, all right, what, do I want to do this thing? If I want to do it and I feel good about doing it, go. Go, go yep. do it. Go live your life. Because whether we're married, whether we're single, it's like you're still burning daylight. And none of us knows how much daylight we get. Mm-hmm. Nothing is promised. Nothing is promised. So I, I, I so appreciate you coming on. Any any last thoughts you want to share that you feel give hope to or to this community and then and then after that go ahead and just share with people how they can connect with you if they if they want to listen listen to your podcast and stuff i i guess my last thought echoes what you said earlier that really the learning is the undoing of self of all these stories that we've developed over the years of all these identities that other people have put on us and we've taken on ourselves. We're like, Oh, okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. I have a good friend. She says, try it on, see how it feels. And if you don't like it, get rid of it. But usually we try it on and we're like, must fit. Even if it's awkward and doesn't fit, we just take it. 
Like we're like God oh, must yeah. want this. God must want this for me. Yes. It, it, it just hurts because I don't want to do it. Yes, we just take it, but we're not. We're supposed to try it on, see if it fits, and get rid of it if it doesn't. So in my queen circle, we've been talking. Pause for a second, because I actually think that is so important for people to understand, guys. If you're listening and you have something that just feels off and yucky and not right, like, I mean, that's, that's why I asked you, Bridget, earlier about that question of when you met your husband, did it, like, did you feel that? Because I know certain people, like when they meet their spouse, looking back, they can say like, yeah, it wasn't like I knew they were the one in that second sometimes, but looking back, you're like, oh, this person's different, you know? Yeah. But there is, there's a right feeling. If it doesn't feel right, it is not God telling you to do it. Yep. If, if, if you if you're about to propose to somebody and you spend the entire night lying on the floor before proposing, mm-hmm. like wondering what in the what in the world am I doing? That yep. is God saying, no, this is not for you. That was a true story from my life. Like yep. It is. And so I just wanted to point that out just because we try something on, if it doesn't fit, we don't have to second guess every four seconds. Is it, is it time? Is it time heavenly father? Is it time? Yep. Yep. And I want to add to that just another layer that people need to consider. If you have been through extreme trauma, you are going to be, I always say your compass is acting out of fear all the time. So people say, trust your heart, trust your spirit. Like we just did. That is true. Unless there's one caveat. If you've been through extreme trauma and you haven't done the work to heal, then you are going to act out of fear always. And so in this case, you better be super reliant on a God to guide you. And you should humble yourself. I'm going to use the word humble because it's usually ego that stops us from healing. So get in a place to get healed because you will not ever have confidence in your decisions until you are healed from the hurt. Can, can I can I add to that? Because I think it's really important with regards to trauma. Even if you have healed from your trauma, every one of us has flashbacks, let's call them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. like those things have been so deeply ingrained. When you start having those, it is not the time to make big decisions. Yes. It's yes. the time to forget the day, forget anything you have to do that day. The further you go down the rabbit hole, because that yucky feeling that you have when you're putting your, when you're thinking about your traumatic experience, that is Heavenly Father saying, hey, you got your hand on a stove right now. If you don't take it off immediately, it's going to, it's going to do some serious damage because he wants it to, to get off as fast as possible. Yeah. And so like, yeah, so it's, with traumatic experiences, you're going to have flashbacks. You're going to even have just mm-hmm. thoughts come back in your head. Because even I was listening to As a Man Thinketh this morning, and it said mm-hmm. we, you know, we attract that's that which we are. We also attract that's that which we fear. And the thing about those panic attacks, once you've had one, I mean, I had I had my experience in the most random of places in, in the temple when I thought God was telling me to change course in my life. In that moment, He couldn't give me peace because He would mm-hmm. I, I would I would mix it up and I would think, oh, He wants me to go this way. It was uh-huh, one of the uh-huh. worst experiences I've ever had in my life. It was awful. But but God couldn't give me peace. And so when you have that, tr- like, so we start we're worrying and like anywhere we go, anywhere we step that we're like, oh, is this, is this the, is this the, the, the slat in the bridge that's going to break? Oh no. Oh no. And the entire uh-huh. time, Heavenly Father's like, chill. <laughs> you yep. had a, like, 
I mean, I even had one time when God, like I had this really cool experience where I had this dream. It was my exact traumatic experience, but it was with a narration and heavenly father's mm -hmm. like, all right, so this is the moment this happened. And this is the moment that you freaked out. And, and this is the moment you continued to freak out like crazy <laughs> until like, you know, and even along those lines, if somebody's freaking out, if you notice somebody that's doing something that's just uncommon for them, like they start saying a bunch of things, no matter where they were, like, because mm -hmm. even in that moment, I was thinking about saying some really bad things because I was, I was losing it in that moment. Like just understand and trust everybody's yep. doing the best they know how anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, so when you get that feeling, on, instead I, of doing the try on, like we're talking about trying things on, yeah. this is the time where you put in the cart and walk around the store. Yeah. and marinate <laughs> is is this really the purchase I want to make and I don't know if I mean for okay. me usually when I walk around the store the answer is no but every once in a while it's like no actually yeah this is the thing I want and I'm gonna keep it so just marinate like you said pause this is the day to take a break walk around the store <laughs> decide is this the right thing for me you that is using your agency and your free will to the fullest that in a healthy way is to allow yourself the pause without shame to evaluate and, and make intentional decisions. That's, mm, that's free will and agency done, done well. Well, I, I like your, I like your card analogy. Like that, that's actually really cool of just, yeah, like you, you can, you can ponder on it and you can think about it, but yeah, usually if, if you're thinking about it, you're trying to force yourself to do something that you really don't want to do. You know, it's like, Oh, I mean, yeah, we, we've all got plenty of experiences of that. And it just, and it just feels off, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I guess my final words would be something like this. In the Queen Circle, we've been talking about the art of becoming, because that's what the strong and capable is all about, of course. And so using the butterfly analogy, when you're younger, you're like a caterpillar, you're consuming everything and you're being acted upon because you're learning how to use your intention and free will and you're just gobbling it all up and sometimes you gobble up good things and sometimes not then we enter the chrysalis and that is the undoing that you and i've been talking about the undoing of those things that have hurt us those things that were unintentional those things that just don't quite fit and you sometimes have to become complete do like the butterfly to become something new and as we want to rush that process but we can't. So if you're in that process and you're like, but it's taking forever. Um, yeah. You're undoing and rebuilding something before you break free. So this is the majority of our life. This is the majority of the process is the undoing and rebuilding. And then when you're rebuilt and you'll know, cause you'll start having tools, you'll start attracting different things in your life. You will feel it. It will be a shift that building of self. And when you're ready to break free, I'm just going to warn you, God will call you to release all of it, all of the stories, all of the past junk. And to fly, you have to allow him to be the wind beneath your wings. And that is takes trust. So trust is usually the last thing that you have to, we all, all of us have trust issues, all of us have been hurt. So to release that and turn it over is 
maybe the hardest thing you will do. But when you get to that place, when you get to that place, I promise you, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. So no matter where you're at in the stages, honor the journey because that's what it is. And the journey is beautiful. So just honor yourself and give yourself grace wherever you are. Would be my final like, just love yourself. (laughs) That's my plea. Love yourself. You are worth it. Well, go go ahead and share with people how they can connect with you oh. or listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah, that, that's good. That's good, too. Okay, so the Strong and Capable podcast, you can find everywhere. Um, but I always listen to it on Apple. If I listen to my own podcast, that's where I would listen to it. But Apple, Spotify, all the things, it's called the Strong and Capable podcast. Of course, uh, you can find me on my website, www.thestrongandcapable.com. And I love social media. I primarily hang out on Instagram. You can message me anytime and I will voice message you right back. That's how I like to communicate. And that's Brigitte, B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E dot Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R. So yeah, that's where you find me. Well, well thanks so much, Brigitte. It's, it's been a, a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Now, if you've made it to this point in the podcast, I'd like to invite you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. I don't know how you got here, but that way, if you ever want to get back here again, it's right there for you in your subscriptions. And if you haven't already joined us, one of the really cool things that I do that's free for anyone that would like to participate is each Monday morning at 10 a.m. Arizona time, I host a group coaching call for Happy and Single. Anyone is welcome to come on. And you can even receive a little bit of one-on-one coaching time with me, depending on how many people are in the call. Now, every now and then that schedule changes. So you can go to the website happynsingle.com to be able to look at the schedule and also to be able to find the link to the Zoom room. Now, at the same time, if you would prefer a more one-on-one type of coaching experience where you can sit down and share your hopes and dreams and, and just kind of the stuff going on in your world. Then there's another option available for you as well. Now, the bulk of my business is actually doing one-on-one coaching. If that's something you're interested in exploring, I've got a few spots open in my coaching practice. You can just message me on Instagram at the It's Possible Guy, and we can sit down and have a chat. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. I've worked with people across the world. I do everything over Zoom, so it actually makes it pretty easy. Thank you guys so much again for listening. And go out and live your adventure. Thank you.